You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down at the... I'm trying to think the the exchange building, right? That's what it is. Central Exchange Building, building which you'll know as the parlor and all these awesome buildings and all these awesome places that's been redone um, by the group that's done it, which, you know, this is the opening weekend or soft opening. It's been a great job, Um, you know, blessed to have EOTE coffee in our veins, (laughs) which is awesome. But down here, um, you know, it's studio flight with Ashton Owens. Uh, Really appreciate your time, mate. Really looking forward to this. Yeah, thanks for having me. This, uh, yeah, this this space is awesome, and you know, I think it just it's just perfect fit for everything that you know you've done over you know the the period that you've been doing this. And and we'll get into the story a little bit um, as this podcast goes on. But tell us a little bit about what's happening like now, like in where are you at in your moment in life now? Yeah, so we just moved into this location uh, last week. So we finished our first week, and we're excited to be here. We've been. Uh, office homeless for the last eight months. Our lease finished up at the beginning of the year, and so we were supposed to be in here in May. And so uh, we work with the Thunder, uh, and they were super gracious. They have a program called Stitch Crew um, that they've partnered with. Um, Chris and Erica Lucas, um, incredible individuals, and they uh, said, "Hey, we have we have some extra space. Why don't you come and join us uh, until your office space is done?" Little did they know that that would be extended by three months, but. Um, we, we were able to be with them for the last few months and finally get in here. So it's the first time I actually have a desk and an office space, which is great. Yeah. Um, I can shut the door and have conversations, and it's crazy. So very excited to be here. Yeah. yeah. Big plans for putting things on the wall, memorabilia, and everything that you guys have? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have a couple of Jordan shoes collectors that I have. I have my Jordan signed jersey that I'll put up, and then we'll just see what happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... Yeah, this, like, like I said, that's where you're at right now. Um, were you born and raised in Oklahoma? I was. I was born in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. So, so down by the Branson area, a lot of people know Branson. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like the Christian Vegas, right? That's <laughs> what they call that's it. Right. Right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> most everyone is over the age of 60. Yeah, that's great. definitely. But it's a dollar city. That's a great location. I need to go there. I haven't oh, been there. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Next to Disney, it's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So it's up there. Though. Oh, it's up there yeah. for sure. Um, so, yeah, going back, you know, Growing up in kind of near Branson, what's you know what's family like? What's you mm-hmm. big family, small family? Very big family. Um, so there's six of us: three boys, three girls. Um, my dad was really my my story begins with with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so he grew up uh, as a pig farmer, super poor, uh, in Conway, Missouri, uh, which is about 30, 45 minutes away from Springfield, mm-hmm. and. Um, he fell in love with the cheerleading captain, my mom, and somehow convinced her to go on a date with him. And then they went to prom, fell in love. Uh, the day after he graduated from high school, he convinced a friend to hitchhike from, or to drive from Conway, Missouri to Alaska. And he worked on the pipeline. Wow. Um, this was in the 70s. And uh, like a weekend, his, his friend got uh, cold feet and drove back and left him in Alaska. Yeah. And so he had his guitar and a backpack and grew a gnarly beard. Uh, it was just incredible. And uh, worked, raised enough money, and hitchhiked from Alaska back to Missouri to marry my mom. 
Oh my god! And so they had a dream of starting a big family and owning their own business. And he always wanted to, to own his own business, but you know, he grew up on a farm and was poor and had no idea. And yeah. so got into Amway and they taught him how to tie a tie and uh, some business practices. And then from that, um, he just started starting companies and went into printing because you didn't need a college degree. Um, and so he learned the craft of printing, yeah. uh, started a business. I think it was called Owens printing, really creative name. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it went under and <clears throat> he just went through that process of entrepreneurship and learning. And the biggest thing I think to his success was reading. I mean, he just read every book that you could possibly get. And, uh, if he didn't know it, he was going to learn how to do it. And so, um, by the time I got on the scene, I'm the second to youngest, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a much different household than probably my older siblings, uh, where they were going through the failing or the learning process. For me, my dad was successful by the time I was, I was on, on the scene. And so I got to be raised in traveling. Uh, my dad loved to travel and um, businesses that were sustainable and doing great. And so, um, yeah, I mean, really, really close-knit family, very involved at our local church. Um, and my dad always wanted us to be leaders, and, and so he put us in positions of leadership at a young age. Yeah. Um, you know, at age 13, he started a financial program for, you know, each of his kids. Um, we would all have to own our own business, whether that was cleaning windows or taking out the trash or whatever it was. And then he would give us a monthly um, income, and mm -hmm. he would give us, um, you know, ways that we could spend our money, tithe, just some of those basics. There's a book called uh, Richest Man in Babylon uh -huh. uh, that we had to read. And so it was just like from a very young age, he really instilled in us like business principles and um, good money management and all yeah. that stuff. So it was, it was, it was, you know, my childhood was probably different than a lot of people's, but it was, it was a really incredible childhood. My mom and dad loved each other. And so we got to see a successful marriage um, and yeah, it was a great yeah. childhood. That must be like just growing up and having, you know, just to have a father that's that's just like, you know, do this and like kind of work you into being like a business owner. Yeah. Even if you have a nine to five, you're always probably going to grow up having a side job or whatever it is, like just teaching you hard work from a young age was really oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I was pulling shirts. My dad owned a slew of printing companies, so pr paper printing, ink mm -hmm. printing, you know, screen printing, all of it. And so from a young age, I, I think I was pulling shirts at age eight, yeah. uh, reading and, and, you know, making some money on the side and um, just knowing, like learning from a young age, like if you want something, you got to work hard for it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, they, you know, they never paid for our cars. They never, you know, paid for college. You know, that was never uh, part of the, uh, the plan. Yeah. And so we had to go and figure out how to do that stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely a crash course of learning and yeah definitely up. and you said dad loved to read um what so loving to read and learning everything from that was like school a big deal for you guys growing up yeah so <clears throat> from uh, i think my older siblings they went to a, a private uh, school and then my dad just for religious reasons but also just <clears throat> because he liked to travel a lot he immediately kind of took them out when we all got older also six kids in private school. It's pretty expensive. Yeah, it's not cheap. Um, it's yeah. not cheap. Uh, but we, we were homeschooled and we had a, a teacher would come out and kind of teach all of us. Yeah. Um, my mom wasn't, wasn't uh, wanting to take that on, uh, obviously. Um, and so we, we were 
all privately taught, all growing up. And so it was a really big deal. And he would always say that, you know, we'd go on trips for, you know, there would be our field trips. Yeah. But we'd always have to learn about where we were going or what we were doing. Right. Uh, me being the, you know, later on in life being the high school punk, uh, I didn't really care. Well, the, so, you're the youngest, right? Yeah, the most, yeah, most youngest sure. kids, most youngest brothers or siblings are. Well, you know, I mean, like I'm constantly texting my brother and trying to figure out, like, where did we go in high school? You know, like we went to crazy places. We would go to Europe and... You know, my dad would get a uh, an RV and mm-hmm. would be like, "All right, we're here. Yeah. We're just gonna drive around, you know, Europe." And now looking back, I'm like, I really wish I was paying attention. You know, right. like I really wish I cared. You know, you're from Wales. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Wales. Yeah. Do I remember it? Not at all. Not at all. I don't even know it's what happened. Just green grass and sheep, and it rains a lot. <laughs> I remember I liked a girl, and I had a guitar in the back of the RV, and I was playing yeah. music. That's all I remember. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's so cool to just like, because a lot of you know, vacations. You know, you have a family who works nine to five. They mm-hmm. just go away for a week or two weeks and they just don't want to do anything for that, you mm-hmm. know? And there's, like I said, there's, there's types of parents who that's that they deserve that. They work their ass off. They deserve two weeks on the beach. Right. And there's others who just, like, it's time to explore. That's right. You know? Yeah. Um, I hate the beach. Like, I just, like... I, I, oh, man, you and me Just both. too hot. Like, you know, I, I just don't like it. Um, you know, being European or being from the UK and Welsh is like, I'm just, that's a super, super pale white kid that just hates to like sit on the beach, you know, and that's melt. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, so you used to travel quite a bit and seen all these awesome countries. Yeah. My dad yeah. always, we, we would be in some pretty crazy, uh, scenarios of just yeah. like, this is not a normal vacation, you know, like, like going to a beach or going to a resort and staying there for a week or two weeks and doing nothing or having no plans. It, I, like, I don't even know what that's like. It was boring. Yeah, oh man, yeah. it'd be so boring. Yeah. You know? Every day was an adventure yeah. on trips. So how, so you said you're a high school punk. What was high school like? Yeah. So I grew up a huge Jordan fan. So actually when I was seven, I wrote Michael Jordan a letter. Okay. Um, and I told him, Hey, uh, I'm having a birthday party and we're, we're going to be, playing basketball and I want you on my team. Yeah. Would you mind coming? Um, the jerk said no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's straight uh, up. No, no, he, he sent me a letter back. Actually, he wrote me a letter back. Really? Um, you still have it? I do. Yeah. Um, and he sent me a, a box of presents and he, oh, that's uh, so cool. And he just said, Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it obviously. Yeah. Um, but here's some presents and here's a basketball for you guys to play with, you know, when you play your game. Yeah. Um, and from that moment, like I became an, a massive fan. Like, so what year was that? Uh, 96, 97. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Six turning seven. Um, so. So we're about the same age then. You're born yeah. in 90. Yeah. Yeah. Same. You, same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I just became a, a huge fan. Now my, my dad, he recorded on VHS, like all the games. I still have them. Some of them over here yeah. in my office still. And we put them on the VHS, you know, just for nostalgic reasons. Yeah. But I just grew up a massive fan uh, from a young age. And um, when I was 10, I signed up, I collected basketball cards, like a huge basketball card fan. Mm-hmm. So I would collect all these basketball cards. And one of the, one of the packs was called Victory Cards. And they had a competition to win a signed Jordan jersey, yeah. which I have right over here. Yeah. I won it. And so it was just like throughout my life, like I just became like this m- massive uncontrollable fan yeah played basketball um and thought i would go to the nba um in high school found out very quickly my mediocre jump shot probably wasn't going to make it make the cut um and so i did not i did not go to the nba surprise um but you know high school was full of sports you know Mm -hmm. even though we were quote unquote homeschooled which that some you still homeschool teams right oh my goodness it's huge huge in the midwest um 
And so we were heavily involved in sports. My brother and I, Aaron, we played basketball constantly. Um, he liked Allen Iverson. I liked Michael Jordan. It was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. So um, if Jordan hadn't have, like, replied to you and sent you those things and then you win a contest to get a jersey, do you think you would still be a fan? I don't know. I think that's just part of the story of just, like, yeah. fandom. You know, you yeah. have that experience. I mean, back in the 90s, you weren't as connected with NBA players. Like, now, yeah. you know, they you you basically watch their life through social media mm-hmm. insta stories you know you get to see what their life is like yeah for for me and i mean if i wanted to learn about michael jordan i had to go to like walden books or whatever and like get a biography on him and see like pictures and stuff right. whereas now it's like day to day i can tell you you know what kevin durant ate for lunch you know yeah. it's crazy yeah because so. katie has a vlog now didn't he has yeah he the vlog yeah. and i think uh steve nash obviously has done a ton of stuff with outside of you know basketball because he's just a super business guy he wants to do that stuff but so you graduate high school Mm -hmm. what were you thinking then well so my dad was killed when i was 17 um in a tragic accident my we were traveling on vacation um we went up into canada came down through seattle and the brakes failed to our rv coming down a mountain and so my dad was killed so yeah. everyone, the whole family's in the RV at this point. Yeah, most of us. My older sisters weren't there. Um, but from that, you know, we were, our world was flipped upside down. Yeah. He was a business owner. We had 300 acres of farmland, um, cattle and stuff. And so when that happened, you know, my world and my expectations of what I was going to do just kind of flipped. Yeah. Went through a dark period of not knowing who I was or what I wanted to do. And... I knew I, I liked business. I went, you know, thought I would go into ministry, went to a, a Christian college. Um, my wife and I started dating soon after. So I was 17 when that happened, happened in 2007. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife, you know, now you know, she was like a guiding light. I think that kept me grounded. You know, I call her, you know, someone that was like my angel that yeah. just kind of like gave me reason and gave me hope. And, um, and so from that, that season of life, I really started to explore, like, what does this look like? And like I said, I thought it would be, thought it would be college. You know, I thought, man, I'm just going to go down this route and go into ministry and, you know, use my testimony or my story for good. And I got there and realized very quickly, I am not made for college. I hate college. I hate saying in a, you know, doing what everyone else is doing really, you know, we're all, it felt like cattle. I grew up on a farm. So there you go. Analogy. But I just felt like we were all just being, you know, put in a, in a line through the machine or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it just, it didn't make sense to me. And it it wasn't, um, it wasn't challenging, not because I'm super smart and it was like easy to get through. It just wasn't challenging for a multitude of reasons. And so, um, you know, we went, went to move to Joplin. My wife and I, we got married at 19, super young, mm-hmm. um, got married and moved to Joplin. And, and then like a year later, the biggest, you know, tornado came through the F5 2011 and, uh, you know, blew out the city and damaged our home, basically, you know, yeah. knocking it out. And, and so then we just started asking questions like, what do we do with our life? Like, what are we doing now? And I had a buddy, uh, his name's John Sowers. Uh, Donald Miller had started an organization called the Mentoring Project. Okay. And the Mentoring Project um, started in Portland, and John was was the president of that organization. And he said, hey, I mean, we just got a big grant. We're opening an office in in uh, Oklahoma City. Why don't, you, why don't you guys move out here? You guys can help us get started and figure out what you're going to do. 
And so my wife and I just kind of took that as an opportunity. We're like, listen, you know, our house, we're building it back. Like we didn't have no reason to be here. I know I didn't want to stay in college. And we just saw it as like a doorway. You know, I think in life, as I, as I've like looked back on life, I see, I see life as um, a series of doorways. And sometimes you, you walk through a doorway and that season is just the door frame. You're just walking yeah. through it. It's an opportunity to, to go to, you know, somewhere else. But then I also see it as sometimes you, you get in and you're in that room for a while and it's a place that you're going to be. Um, I think Oklahoma City or the mentoring project was that doorway, that door frame to get us out of Missouri mm-hmm. and get us into Oklahoma. And, you know, we w- probably would never have picked Oklahoma City yeah. otherwise. Um, but as soon as we got here, we just, we found something beautiful about the people here. And we, we connected with the community and there was an excitement. I mean, this was eight years ago. So yeah. there was just this excitement and thrill of something new. And right. obviously the Thunder being here was a huge draw for me, just being a huge basketball fan. I never grew up in a city that had a basketball team. And, and so we, you know, we just said, this is, this is a place I think we could grow a family. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, we started working for the mentoring project and I was only there for about nine, 10 months. And then I, I had started doing design work cause right when Instagram was, you know, really popular and mm-hmm. was coming out and there was this app called pick lab yeah. and pick lab was one of the first apps to, when you took a picture, put something over the top. And so somehow I connected with, with this guy, his name was Roberto Nixon and he had created this app and, um, he, I started posting pictures and doodling and he liked it and he started reposting and they were getting like 30,000 likes. It was yeah. back before Instagram. Right. Oh, algorithms. Oh, yeah. Nonsense. Algorithms yeah. all yeah. changed, but Wild it was like West. huge exposure for me. Yeah. I started doing design work on the side and before I knew it, like I was, I was booked. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't handle it. And so I stepped away from the, from the nonprofit and I just started designing, um, at night. Um, and lo and behold, uh, freelance career had started. Yeah. Um, and that was, I think that was 2012, 2013. Yeah. yeah. And we, we kind of got to Oklahoma about the same time then. Cause I came August, 2011, Devon Tower still being built. Like really, there's a lot, there was, a, there was nowhere near the food scene we have now, but like there were still things going off, you know, right. you're like, Oh, this is like, there's a feeling about this place. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, being away from home, you know, 4,000 miles away, I hated my first, like, semester but at the same time like the same feeling of the people and how everything was it was it was awesome you know yeah. like I, I have a buddy of mine who's probably one of my best friends over here and I go hang out with him and his parents on the weekend and just like that was like made me feel like home that's right um just being around a family and being around you know they have a couple of dogs and it's amazing what dogs can do for you like, oh, just yeah. being around them I missed mine back home at the time and yeah it was just a it was just it was an awesome place to be, right? Because you know, everyone's like, oh, this Devon Tower's going to be amazing. And there's all these cool things happening. And now eight years on, you know, mm-hmm. we're in a building like this, yeah. right? You know, which I don't even know back then. Was it was it derelict back? Assuming yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. know? It was, yeah, it wasn't being used. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you go from that first job, right? To mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to just do what I want to do and design on the side. And then any any entrepreneur's dream is like turning their side hustle into a real job that's right yeah. what was that feeling like with you and your wife did okay. you have kids at the time yeah we just had our second kid okay and we had just bought a home so yeah. a mortgage my wife is a stay-at-home mom and so it was like this scary jump yeah of like are is this just completely ridiculous yeah um but we made the jump and i mean looking back you know in in people's life, you know, making those jumps 
are sometimes the most scary, but they're the most rewarding, you know, because you have nothing, you know, nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You just, why not? Yeah. Um, because I can always go get a job, you know, I can always go and start over, but it's that, that moment or that courage that you have. And my wife, you know, played a huge part of, of encouragement for me to, to make that jump. But there was just this like feeling of like, we have something here, like there's something that's working. Um, I started doing t-shirt designs and stuff like that. And so it was just, once you started doing work and it started coming out and then you would just ask, especially in the social media world, Hey, just tag me and mm-hmm. just, you know, mention that I did your work. Yeah. And by doing that networking, I've always been just a natural networker. And so meeting people for coffee or, or, you know, grabbing a phone call. Um, people always ask me like, you hey, mean, how did you, how are you working with this person? You know, at a, at a yeah. very early start, I was working with some, some fun clients and people are like, why, like, how are you doing that? And I was like, I just sent an email. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Like you just, I always just say it, like send the email, send the Facebook message, send mm-hmm. the Instagram message. Um, and that was just my story of, of constantly doing that and ending up in conversations I had no right to be in at all. Yeah. And it's probably a good thing that you're in Oklahoma city cause it's such a, it's a big not a big city, but like it's a small town feeling for a Absolutely. city. And they're like, if you know somebody, like they know a lot of other people, but you, will, you know, you might not know them directly, but you know, three or four people that know them. And it just kind of goes on and on like this giant weird family tree that like everyone knows everybody. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Which is great. It's a, it's a great feeling, especially, I mean, there's, there's enough going on here where, you know, people know of Oklahoma or the mm-hmm. thunder. And I always say, man, I want to work with the thunder. I want to, I want to work with basketball players. That was always my drive. Yeah. Like I wanted, knowing very well that I wasn't going to make it in the NBA, I wanted to find a way that I could. Right. And so being in a city that had players or players coming through town, had the opportunity to grab coffee with them or buy them dinner. It was kind of a a vision and something I wanted to pursue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know exactly where they're going to be staying or you know they're going to be out. You at least know somebody who's probably going to be serving them dinner or serving them drinks or whatever it is. That's right. They, you can get to them. That's right. Probably more in this city than any other city in the schedule. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you're in New York or you're in any yeah. of those other markets, it's just so busy and crazy. Yeah. Here, it's very small. There's not a lot to do. Right. So, so you know, 2012, 13, the, mm-hmm. the business is going off. You know, you, you take the jump. Um, was it just, you know, like Ashton Owens Design or was it like Studio Flight wasn't around then, right? Oh, man. Yeah, so it was originally called Translucent Designs. Horrible name. <laughs> just... Absolutely the worst name ever, (laughs) but I wanted it to be trendy and cool. And I just thought, man, this is it. Um, and the website, I remember I I had a photographer friend, her name was Kinsey Meyer and she took a bunch of photos of me and I was like, yeah, I'm going to like, I want people to know who I am. And I, I created this website and it was like a picture of me walking through a field and it was like translucent designs. And I had a friend who just like was brutally honest and he's like, why would I hire you? He's like, what, what is this website? And I'm like, that's a great question. I don't actually know. You yeah. know, that, that's just how unfamiliar I had. No right, training. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing at all. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that was the beginning, um, of my design career was being tr- known as translucent designs. Yeah. Um, online it was AM Owens 23. And so when pick lab would, you know, tag me or, you know, eventually we, we, um, I was able to be in a uh, conversation with them where they were creating a new app and it was called PicLab HD. And that was like a higher end version of their app. And so I helped create all of their design packs. So people would be posting and in their, in their app, the agreement was that I would get a quarter every time 
that someone would download my app, my, my package. Yeah. And so it was a really cool, I mean, I didn't make a ton of money, but it was like this awesome experience for me yeah. to like go on, you know, Instagram and find my work being used all over, all over the world, all over the world. And so it was like this, this moment where I was like, I can do this. Like, this is, this is fun. Yeah. Uh, but there's always been this side of like, I wanted, I wanted to, to start businesses and I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to just be a designer mm -hmm. and that was a decision I made early on. And so I knew that design would be the vehicle that got me to those, those conversations, but I didn't want it to be the thing that was like, that's what I was known for. Um, and so that led to a conversation with a local uh, creative. His name was uh, Chase Lehman, and he had a company called Wheelhouse Creative. And he did, you know, killer websites, and he did animation videos, and he was good with, you know, the camera. And I was like, man, I, I do branding and design. We should go into partnership and, and offer a full package. And so he said, yeah, let's try it. So we went to business together, and I, I went to a partnership with him. And the whole idea was let's let's figure out what we can offer and and if you are a startup someone that has an idea for a business that we would be able to take your your idea and ha you know offer the full suite of of stuff and so that that started off and um we had a couple failed you know experiments of like t-shirt subscription companies subscription companies were really large mm -hmm. uh, at that time and then one of my clients jefferson bethke um, had a friend, his name was uh, Brett Kalmajek and he was, had an idea for a subscription company, um, that we would ship a date in a box. Yeah. And so he reached out and we got on a phone and immediately I was just like, man, we have to, we have to do this. Like yeah. I want not just to design it. Like I have an idea for the logo, yeah. but I want to like help build this. And so like, as soon as we got off the phone, like five minutes later, I sent him a logo idea and he was like, that's it. That's the logo. And so like a week later he flew out and it was really exciting and we met and we, we decided to, to start the company Datebox. Yeah. Um, Which was what, like 2008? Sorry, no, no, 2018? Uh, 2015. 15? Okay. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. Beginning, it was like February, March. We started it and then we decided to go after um, funding and so we raised 450000 to get started. Um, and I had never, I mean, growing up in my background was like bootstrap only. So I never right. raised capital. I've, I've never done anything like that. So it was definitely a new, new experience for us to go after people and be like, give us money for an idea that does not exist. Yeah. It was just crazy. I didn't never, which know, especially doesn't really happen that much in the Midwest, but at mm -hmm. that point, like in California, it's like, Oh, this is normal. Later on. I mean, when we started to raise like real, real money, I think most of our time was spent educating people like that. This was something that people did like yeah. in this area, finding love online is like, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah. And so we had to educate people that it's like, yeah, Tinder and you know, um, all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all doing that. Yeah. Um, and so we just, it, it was definitely a, a, a trick to, to figure that out. But in the beginning, you know, we just had an idea and a concept. We, convinced Marcus Morrison to leave Life Church to come and help us, you know, build it. And it just started off as a, as an idea. And I remember before we launched, we were going to, I was speaking at a conference called Story. Mm -hmm. Um, and my business mentor, Ben Arment had, um, asked us to come out and speak about branding and just being a creative. And we decided that we were going to launch Datebox, you know, start doing pre-orders. It was October 1st. We're going to do it. 
um, at, at this conference. And I remember thinking, man, we're going to, I just pray that we get 300 couples. Like I really hope that we get 300 couples and we launched it at the conference and there wasn't a lot happening. And Brett and I started to kind of get into an argument about like how we launched it and why is it not working? Like we had this huge expectation. Yeah. You know, we had asked like some influencers to post about it and we had this like plan. And I remember that we had left the sound on at the laptop at the, at the conference and we're standing over there we're kind of getting a little bit heated and we start hearing the dinger go off. And it was just like, all of a sudden we realized like someone had posted about it and there was like all of a sudden this traction and yeah. it was, you know, it wasn't like a, a movie, you know, where it was like ding, 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 but it was like <laughs> enough to where it was like, Hey, there are people actually signing up. Like this is yeah. cool. Um, and it ended up that first, the first month we had 3000 couples sign up. Um, wow. and it was, it was kind of from that moment that, it, I mean, it's just contagious. I mean, yeah. just that startup feeling that, okay, we have an idea and people are catching on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really exciting. And so we had Sean and Catherine Lowe from the bachelor post in, I think it was December of 2016 at this point. And, uh, it just, yeah. It, Chaos. It, yeah. It went, it went crazy and we had, you know, thousands of subs- uh, subscribers and, Mm-hmm. It was a really fun time. Yeah. For sure. And initially, so the idea, it's like, like I said, you ship a date in a box. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a Pinterest date, right? That's but right. in a box to you, like That's right. straight to you. Straight to you. Um, All the ideas, we even curated like playlists on Spotify for you. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a learning process. But I mean, by the time we got done, I mean, for me, the experience of getting the box was really big. And so yeah. we spent a lot of money on the box and the actual items in the box. So it wasn't just the idea, it was just the quality of that. So that if you were going to forego going to a nice restaurant, we wanted you to feel like you had value. Yeah. And so I think the trickiest part though is like it was five guys in a room coming up with dates. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was, it was three thousand people, right? Yeah, like, I mean, there's yeah. a big pressure and, and huge timelines and so there was just a lot of hurdles that we had to go through to figure it out. But it was always funny because no one expected this pink and blue and purple company to be ran by guys, but yeah. it was because we all sucked at date night and um, it was pretty fun. So yeah, yeah, that's where it started. And, and then it obviously it grew and, um, continued to grow and, uh, Brett is our CEO and I mean, continue to just push the limits yeah. and we went and raised, uh, 2.6 million here locally in Oklahoma. Um, and we were really excited about that. Wow. Um, and that, like I said, for a yeah. long period of time, it was educating the market. It was trying to figure out, you know, how to explain to them how we did it, you know, like why this was successful. But once we got that, it was through I2E, um, you know, that allowed us to get new offices. It allowed us to expand our, right. our warehouse and, and really put, put money behind some of our ideas that we had. And, and at that time, you know, just completely honest, for me, I liked being in the marketing space because at that time it, it went from an idea to like something we had to do. Yeah. And, and I mean, quite honestly, focusing on that, like we weren't growing wheelhouse, we weren't focusing on our clients. And so we had to start just focusing more and more. And so we made the transition to be full-time date box. Um, but I knew like for me, I liked working with basketball players and I wanted to do that continually. Mm-hmm. Now I worked with a couple of guys, Mike Miller and a couple of those guys who, you know, I've become friends, but I wanted to do it more and yeah. I wanted to grow a team. And, and so I, once we raised our funds, I stepped away. I think it was June, July of 2017. Um, and I went into, and this is where flight kind of comes on the scene. Okay. Um, Reese, Travis and the Tribune Capital guys, uh, Shelby Norman, they, uh, had invested in Datebox and one of our original 
rounds of funding. Mm -hmm. And so I had stayed in contact with him. And one day we grabbed lunch and he was like, man, I'm wanting to start a marketing agency. He has like orange leaf and he has a couple, you know, yeah. Yote. Yeah. He's like, I need a marketing firm. And I was like, I think you're talking about me. I think that's something <laughs> I could do. And so, yeah. uh, somehow I convinced him to, uh, go into business with me. And, and so we started, we started flight. Um, at the time we just call it Nuco because we didn't have a name for it, yeah. but we started that in August of 2017 when I left Datebox, and it was just me for a while. And then we got Charlie Moeller and Scott Lesser. Um, we convinced them to leave Life Church randomly. Yeah. Um, sorry, Life Church. <laughs> they're doing just fine. <laughs> they're an incredible organization. They build up incredible yeah. um, people. And so we were able to grab them um, and I cast a vision of kind of what we were looking at. And Scott was someone that I just respected for a long time. He was a developer mm -hmm. at a life church and was building and leading their team of, of engineers. And I just thought, this guy is incredible. So I had convinced him, I tried to convince him to leave, to go to Datebox back in the day and Wheelhouse, I think originally. And yeah. we worked on some stuff together on freelance. And I just thought, man, this guy is like, this is the coolest human I've ever met. And so eventually when we were starting flight and he said, yes, it was just like a party. Like I was so excited to have yeah. him join us. And so he's with us. He's kind of like second in command CTO and, um, he's just killing it. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Isn't yeah. it? Like just, and, and you know, the reason that we connected doing this was like, I read that post that you posted, you know, like with the basketball, uh, mm. you know, the picture that, Oh, that's a fun, that one. old school basketball, you know, that just never give up. And then yeah. six years or whatever, it's like, it's amazing when you look back, isn't it? You sit yeah. down and you look back and you're like, okay, this happened. This at the time I wasn't agreeing with something bad happened, but then this comes from it. Oh, absolutely. Man. It's, it's a road of, of just, you know, having the, the ability and gumption to like keep going. Like, you know, when multiple times it have been like, you should just go get a job. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, there's a season in life, like I don't tell this very often, but there's a season in life where I went, um, I was freelance and people weren't paying their invoices, no surprise. Um, people just forget yeah. about that all the time. And it's like, well, I have a mortgage and I'm the only one bringing in money and therefore I am not making it right now. Yeah. And I remember my wife looking at me and she's like, you've got to fix this. Right. And so I went that afternoon to Starbucks and I was like, I worked for them in college and I was like, I need a job. I need, I need to work. Here's I the need thing, to get though. paid in two weeks. I need to get paid <laughs> yeah. like, immediately. Yeah. And I was like, I need... I need something that I can get up at 4 a.m., work until 10, and then I'll have the rest of the afternoon. Yeah. And, you know, I, I found out quickly, like, I don't need sleep. Like, sleep is not something that I, I need to function. So if I get two, three hours, I'm solid. Like, that's a yeah. good night's sleep for me um, back in the day. Now. Now with kids. <laughs> oh, man. I need it. Three boys. Yeah. yeah I need that sleep. Um, but, you know, back then, I, I didn't. And so I... Um, I went to them and, and said, man, I need this. I know you guys have really good insurance, you know? Yeah. And then I had a, a mentor, Ben Arment, who I uh, spoke about earlier with story. He said, man, why don't you go to your top clients and ask them about a retainer? Yeah. I was like, what is a retainer? Like, I had no <laughs> idea. And he's like, you know, just tell them that you'll give them a certain amount of hours for a certain rate. Yeah. And, and that will be, he's like, if you do that with a couple of your clients, you could replace you just know, to pay the bills. Just to pay the bills. You, yeah. you don't even need to go to work at Starbucks. He's like, you know, for me, I went there. I was like, oh, man, sometimes we think it was entrepreneurship. Like, oh, if I get less sleep and I work hard and I post these pictures at 4 a.m., people are going to think I'm really cool. Yeah. And it's really like the best entrepreneurs are the ones who figured out how to do it with less, you know, like 
I thought I was going to him when he when he called me and I'm like, yeah, I'm working at Starbucks. I'm waking up at 4 a.m., getting like two hours of sleep. And he's like, that's stupid. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is it? And he's like, yeah. And and he kind of explained like how I could grow right. my business. And so I took that into wheelhouse and then we've taken it obviously here into flight with yeah. this retainer model. Um, but, you know, it's just learning, learning that stuff and, and learning um, to network. Like there is value in people and not using people, right. but like legitimately like getting to know someone. Uh-huh. And, and I think Oklahoma specifically is really good about that. Um, it's, it's a community of people. And, uh, I found value in that very early on because when I was doing freelance, we could have lived anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I didn't yeah. need a location. Yeah. Um, my wife didn't have a job. So it was like anywhere I needed to go. But quite honestly, this was the most incredible place to raise a family. And there's so much excitement going on and we're five hours away from family. So it's a quick afternoon drive to go and see grandparents. Like it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that far away. Yeah. So we just fell in love with it. Did you want, during that time of like just doing freelance stuff, did you want to travel like you used to? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just came down to money. Yeah. Um, but as we started to become more successful, I mean, my wife and I, we travel quite a bit. Um, since we've had our last, our, uh, third, third boy, uh, he just turned a year old this summer. Um, we haven't been traveling as much, but I mean, we, my favorite place to go is London. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like our number one. And so we're big Harry Potter fans. Oh yeah. And so, um, I've been to the, um, the studios are amazing. Yeah. The, it's the so cool. Warner Brothers studio. Yeah, I've been there so three cool. times yeah. like in full, but every time it just is better and better yeah. and better. So, um, yeah, we love to travel. Um, we're playing some pretty big trips and I turn 30 this next year. We celebrate 10 years of marriage. Yeah. So we have some really fun trips coming up That's in, awesome. in 2020. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the Harry Potter studio, like walking into the train station, oh. like you can't describe it. Like it's amazing. It's magical, you know, and you and, and the whole every set's awesome. But like you walk a lot of the sets, like I said, they kind of just put together in this giant room, and they right. And then you walk in there, you're like, oh, that this is the entire set. Like oh, this man. is the entire. Yeah. This is where it happened. Yeah, and the train and everything. Well, like, the the introduction when you walk into the the actual like um, great hall. Mm-hmm. I mean, that first introduction, you see like the magnitude of how big that is. And yeah, it, it's real. It's not styrofoam. Right. Like it's like everything's real. Rocks. real. Yeah. It's. I mean, being a huge Harry Potter fan, I mean, it was very yeah, special. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, you have a uh, one-year-old now as mm-hmm. well as, you know, the two. So you have three boys. Three boys. The, the oldest is named after Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, his middle name. Yeah. Sawyer Jordan. No family. It was literally for Michael Jordan. <laughs> do you write, do you should write him a letter and tell him that too. I, I know. Yeah. I need to get in contact with him soon. Yeah. He's a big golfer. Now that you've taken up golf, you might, you might be able to get yeah, to that. Yeah. Yesterday was golf. my first day. Yeah. I don't think PGA is calling. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wouldn't play him for money because he takes money off everybody. Michael Jordan does. Yes, he does. Some great stories, but, yes, he does. um, yeah, like this, you know, this journey that you've been on, you know, and dreaming of working with the NBA from, you know, all the way to now, um, you know, and having, like I said, one or two clients, what, what was the, who was the first client in basketball? Was it like a personal client or was it the Thunder? No, it was the, it was Mike Miller. Okay. Um, so it's, so that post that I, I made last uh-huh. week, you know, six years of, of growing and learning. Um, it just, you know, you go back to just going to church at, um, life church. I met Chris Cootie and he became a really good friend of mine. Um, and then he had a friend, his name was Adam Harrington and Adam Harrington was the shooting coach for Kevin Durant. And so he was like, Hey, he's stepping away for the thunder. Cause you know, he got traded. Yeah. And, 
um, we're gonna, he's, he wants to start doing his own brand, so he needs a logo and stuff. And I'm like, done. I will gladly do it for yeah. this guy. Met Adam. He's like the nicest, you know, most real person. We became really good friends. His son actually joined my basketball, my son's basketball team, um, which is always intimidating having Adam in the crowd, you know. And of course, our kids are like four right, and five years old. Right, but you're the coach. And oh, you got and I'm this the guy coach. The and I'm like, <laughs> I kept on like looking over, like, am I doing this right? Like, completely <laughs> scared to death. Yeah. But, you know, Adam just became a really good friend and he was, he was real. Um, and so when we were talking with Brett about doing Datebox, our first, you know, person that I talked to was Adam. I was like, do you know anyone who would want to put $400,000 yeah. into our business? Um, and he's like, yeah, Mike Miller, like he's my best bud and, uh, he's always, you know, investing. And I was like, that sounds great to me. And I loved, I mean, I grew up watching Mike and, and so we connected, he invested and, um, we became really good friends. And so he had a couple of clothing lines and he had a couple of things that he was doing. So I started working with, with Mike on the side, um, outside of Datebox when we were still at wheelhouse and became really good friends. And so that kind of introduces you to that scene. Yeah. Um, but you know, going from that, he was friends with uh, a guy named Robbie Fuller. Robbie Fuller at the time was over at uh, head of basketball for Adidas. And so I became friends with him on, on Facebook and I saw a post that he made with when Tim Duncan retired and I was like hey you don't know me but I know that you work with he had just left Adidas to go to a company called Anta and I said you know I would love to work with Anta and I know Clay Thompson is your big guy give me 48 hours yeah and I will create a campaign to launch his new shoes free of charge and he was like he wrote back surprisingly yeah. and he was like sure go go for it yeah and so within 48 hours I actually came up with three different campaigns, font treatment, mock-ups, merchandise, socks. I mean, literally everything I could. I didn't sleep. And I sent it to him, and he was impressed. And so we began working together, and then I started working with him on, on some pretty fun stuff. The, the funny thing about it is Anta is in China, and so they're huge in China, uh, but they have no, like hardly any presence here in the okay. U.S. So most of the work I was doing was over there. So then we started working with Fila, which is yeah. you know, in China. Coming back. Yeah, they're yeah. coming back. and. And so we started doing like some really fun projects, but they were all overseas. Through that process, I met a guy named David Bond. And there was something about David that I really liked and kind of found out I knew why. He had, his claim to fame is he went to, um, to Phil Knight. He worked for Nike back in the 80s. And he said, hey, there's this guy named Jordan. You know, everyone knows him. And he's like, uh, he's really famous. And he's going to be a really big player. You should, we should create a separate brand called Jumpman. Yeah. And so that we can still, Nike can still own it, but it can grow and scale and he has his own identity and logo. So that was so his idea. So that was his idea. Yeah. Wow. So after I found that out, I became an even bigger fan. Right. But before that, like I just, David is extremely personable and a genuine person. And so I just said, let's grab lunch. Anytime I was out in LA where he lived, I would just, hey, can we grab lunch? Wanted to get to know him. Um, he has three boys, they're mm -hmm. older. Like if anything, like let me you can connect as me. Let me just yeah, yeah connect with him and and give me some parental advice if anything, and we just became good friends and I liked working with him and he was always super respectful of my time, he was um, just a genuine person through and through, um, and he uh, the beginning of this year accepted a job to take over the head of of Curry Brand for Under Armour, and when that happened he texted me and said man I I think. I think you would be a great fit to work on this project. Yeah. And of course for me, I'm just, you know, constantly, even at this point, you know, I've worked with NBA players, you know, at, at flight, we're working with the thunder. It's always a big dream of mine. 
Um, and to get that text was like, I, I remember I was like, I teared up and yeah. I showed my wife the text and it was just one of those moments that I think God just continually, you know, gives us as like uh, a reminder, like keep going, you know, yeah. keep going. And, and so that was a moment for me that reminded me of like, man, this is the road and this is the connections or these are the people like they all lead to something. And so that post was, was definitely one of the just yeah. kind of reflecting on that of, I'm sitting in that room, you know, with Kevin Plank, the CEO of Under Armour and Steph Curry. And what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. I'm from Fairgrove, Missouri, you know, just yeah. outside Springfield. Like I have no right to be in this room. I don't have a college degree. Yeah. I don't have, you know, a lot of the tools and things that a lot of these people, the creative directors and the head people of Under Armour have. Like, why am I here? Right. But it's just constantly putting yourself in the place where you have to, um, you have to grow and mm -hmm. it's just years of getting in that place and knowing the sport or knowing the thing that you're passionate about and really applying some of that knowledge. Um, but just having ideas and it's, I mean, it's crazy. A lot of times, you know, I might be a designer, um, <clears throat> by default, yeah. but a lot of times, you know, people pay us for our ideas and just you know, how we think, which is crazy. You know, when I always think it's funny when someone's like, yeah, that sounds like, like your idea or that sounds like, that looks like your stuff. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. I don't even know what that, you know, it's just right. like naturally like what we do, um, but it's a compliment and, a, and I love it. But, you know, that experience with, with Under Armour and, and what we're doing is, is definitely one for the books for us. And yeah. we're really excited. And, you know, there's only going up from here as well. Like yeah. you, you go back to just having... I guess even having the awareness at the time to the, all these people that you're meeting, just like, as long as I keep doing my best work, my best work, and just doing what I do, doing what I love, even if it doesn't come to something, you know, you've kind of given it all your all. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, having six years on, getting that text mm -hmm. and, you know, having that emotion and being like, I'm about to work with one of the best shooters in the world. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And he also plays golf too, so you can That's play right. golf with him now. That's right. Um, I need but to play like, a few more times yeah, before I play with him. But like, you know, it's, it just goes back to, like I said, having that dream when you're a kid, like I'm going to be in the NBA mm -hmm. and now you're like, you are in the NBA, but in a totally different, you know, if you'd have asked yourself back then, you're like, there's no way I'm going to do that. Like That's I'm right. going to be playing. That's right. And now it's like, like I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's cool to look back and, and being a, a father now and I have my boys and I just reflect on like my dad and the lessons he gave me. And a lot of times it wasn't words that he spoke. You know, a lot of times I think people think that they have to say the right words. It's really your actions. Mm -hmm. It's what you do. And I saw my dad wake up every day. I saw my dad care for his employees and know them by name and really care about them. I saw my dad be genuine with people and um, sacrifice and, and you know, donate his time or his, his gifts. And I just saw him time and time again give back and so for me like I just think that all I can do as a dad you know I can say as much as I want to but if my actions don't follow through um and it, even in business I mean there's so many people that are trying to cut cut their way to the top or you know figure out how to how to make it and my, my greatest advice to them would be is just be real you know, my dad taught me at a young age, like never burn a bridge, never burn a bridge. Mm -hmm. And there's been plenty of times I'm like, I have gasoline. I don't want to torch this bridge. Like yeah. I'm done. And that principle that my dad, you know, taught me at a young age is like, just never, never do that. You know? And, and that has come true. Just being a, trying to be a genuine person and yeah. 
uh, do good work and work with excellence and care about people. And I just hope that like when my boys grow up and they, they're telling my story and maybe they're sitting in a situation like this and they're reflecting on me as their dad, you know, the, the actions and the way that I worked mm-hmm. or I operated or I spoke, you know, was an influence for them. Um, and, and it was real. Yeah. So bringing it down, you know, back to present day, what's next? Like obviously you have the Under Armour thing to concentrate on and there's only so much you can say about that. But what now is like, you know, back then when you were like, I want to work for the NBA, what does that scene look like now? Like who is out there that you want to work with now? It's a great question. I, I think for me, the next thing is growing a really strong team. Um, right now we, we have 10 employees and, um, we're grateful for every single one of them. They play a huge part in everything that we do. And I think building a culture um, that is sustainable mm-hmm. and and caring about the people that we work with and um, doing excellent work. I think it's just constantly representing Oklahoma. There's, there's time and time again that we are in conversations outside of Oklahoma mm-hmm. and people don't believe. Like there was one time I was in a meeting with um, Isaiah Thomas and we're pitching him for, for Anton on a shoe deal. And he's going around the room and they're introducing people and they're like LA and Boston and he works for Nike and he works for, or he did, you know, and now he works for us. And they get to me and he's like, this is Ashton, he's from Oklahoma City. And they keep going and he's like, wait, 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 wait. Why Oklahoma? Like, yeah. What are you doing here? And I just thought, you know, and then we showed him our work and we showed, we, we pitched, we, for the pitch we created a commercial and we filmed it here in Oklahoma with yeah. local people. It didn't look like Oklahoma because we utilized right. a lot yeah, of the yeah, streets yeah. and the yeah. alleyways. And he just couldn't believe that that was Oklahoma. Because when you think of Oklahoma, you think of fields and right, cattle right, yeah. and hicks. And it's like, no, we have like some of the best coffee shops. And we, I mean, we got something going on here. Yeah. And so like being able to constantly represent Oklahoma and be in situations where it's like, this is not, you know, typical. You know, a lot of agencies that we're with, they, mm-hmm. they're fighting over local stuff. And I mean, we want to work with local businesses. We love working with the Thunder. Um but we also don't want to be confined to just working right. with Oklahoma. That's fun. And so I think continuing to, to push that and put ourselves in situations where we can, uh, we can grow and build a strong team and do excellent work. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I think the Under Armour's conversation is just the beginning for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a super cool um, project, and it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, but... We're just going to continue to do good work yeah. and, and love the people that we work with and, and see what else, see what else is out there. Yeah. You know, like there's, I mean, sky's the limit. Like there's nothing, there's all the time that I'm looking at, I'm like, how do we get Nike? You know, what are we doing that like someone at Nike would be like, that's the agency we have to work with. Right. You know, when, when we're working, you know, with Under Armour or with other people, like there's other agencies that are pitching them. And I look at those agencies mm-hmm. and they have you know, a hundred employees and their, their roster list is Gatorade and Pepsi. And I'm sitting here going sweet. Like we yeah. have 10 people and you know, here's the work that we've done. And so it's like just continuing to push ourselves and create really good work and yeah. be proud of it. Getting Nike reminds me of, um, Charlie Jabbly's, uh, like his, I'm going to be an ath- Nike athlete commercially he made himself. And then like within two weeks, like he's running around campus at Nike. Like that's nuts. Yeah. Like that is what yeah. I think of when you were speaking about that. It's like, obviously it takes something special to do that. Right. But at the same time, like there's no stopping anybody, you know, like, be, I mean, if people listening, we don't know Charlie's story. He was like two changes, man, two changes manager. Right. Mm-hmm. And then just like decided, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then 
had a you know health scare and just flipped his life upside down to become an athlete and like That's right. and now he's you know he's he was on a Nike commercial. It's yeah. crazy, which was the Colin Kaepernick one, right? Yeah. Which is probably like the most iconic. you know iconic one of our time, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just in, in today's society, it's and in, in the reason I love what we do is like there is no limit. I mean, if you want to do something, if you want to connect with someone, like send that email. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's hundreds of emails or messages that I've sent that they have not replied. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, my batting average is not great, but for the few that they do open that email or I'm sitting in that room and I'm yeah. working with those people, um, it's just a reminder of like, just keep going, you know, yeah. don't give up, you know, dig a little deeper, push a little harder. And, and I think, I think that that is important for people to know and being someone that doesn't have a formal education and, and then you go to college, you know, maybe I'll write a book about it someday, but it's just one of those things that's, you know, people put themselves in boxes like, oh, you have to do this and you have to do this. And it's like in today's society, figure it out. Just yeah. do something. YouTube taught me like I should have like a diploma from YouTube. Like, that's <laughs> that's that's literally who, who taught me is yeah. is uh, is a is YouTube. Yeah. So. I get questions like that all the time. Like, what, what should I do with this? What should I do with this on Instagram? I'm like, just Google it. Like, that's right. please Google it. It's not that hard. That's right. Um, that's right. And you feel a bit of a dick sometimes saying that, but yeah. you're like, it's actually like, it's real. Like there it is. Just Google the right things. And if you don't just keep Googling until you find something you like it. it's, it's easier now than ever than it, you know, than oh, man. back you said when your dad was building businesses and failing and doing this and then finally figuring it out. Like, you know, the back to the drop shipping t-shirt idea, like yeah. it's very easy to not have any inventory now and build That's a business. Right. That's exactly right. Um, but May, this has been awesome. I can't yeah. thank you enough for having me in here today oh, and taking, you know, an hour out of your day just to share the story because it is incredible. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for having it. Yeah. It's it's been a it's a huge honor. I love seeing your your brand continue to blow up. You guys are doing awesome. It's, yeah, it's kinda representing it's Oklahoma exciting. Well. Yeah, it's 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 funny when I meet people in person, they're like, Oh, you're actually from the UK. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> like, <That's right. laughs> why are you doing this? Well, I just I live here now, why not? That's right. Um but no, uh, yeah, this has been awesome. Pleasure. Um is there anything else you want to say to everybody listening just to close out with? No, I mean, I, I would just say, you know, kind of to repeat what I've been saying, it's it, now more than ever is the time to pursue your dreams. Whether you are currently in a career or not, like there's no one saying no but yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that could be, that's true for anyone. And, you know, whether that's going to college and that's the route that you need to go, that's great. Do that, do it well. Um, or whether that's not, whether it's, I want to figure something out. I want to do something, you know, you're more connected than anyone, um, any other generation of our time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's incredible how connected we are and utilize that, utilize yeah. the technology that we have today to build something, um, or join a team that's building something, you know, love where you work. You don't have to put up with bad work, um, you know, workspaces and, and teams like do what you love and wake up, wake up every day, proud of what you're building. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. We'll definitely catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, Follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.
This podcast was produced by Mike Hearn and Ian Weston. Mixed by Alan Brown with music by Chad Duro.